and welcome in to the Hitstick Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host for the evening, Mr. Michael Seta. Kind of forgot I was introing everybody today, so hopefully you like the prolonged music. Welcomed, as always, by the Hit Squad, Mr. Solus K9 Rydog. What's up? What's up? What the fuck is up, Denny's? I'm back. We're doing this again. And of course, not the quarterback, Christopher Sims. That's me. I'm here. What's going on, Hit Squad? How you boys feeling today? Uh, I'm feeling better. Well, that's good, Christopher. I, I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling good. The weather's nice. I got a fresh shave on my head, my bald scalp. You know, you have a fresh shave every time you come in on a Wednesday. That is true because I get my head shaved to be prepared for this podcast. Just to because when you look good, you feel good. All right, all right, listener poll. And when you feel good. You spit the greatest. Do you go to a barber to get your head shaved every week or do you do it yourself? When your barber. 216 578. (laughs) When your barber is one of your lifelong friends and you support your friend's business, you absolutely do. Agreed. I love that you support our friends. I like Jay Reddy's other business ventures before that. but (laughs) (laughs) But that's a different story. As always, you can find us on all the social media platforms at Hit Steak Fantasy. You can hit us up on our personals at Michael underscore Seta. At the real ride long and at Hitstick Chris on the Twitter. Just reminder: um, make sure you guys like, review, and all the different platforms, especially on Apple Pod. I greatly appreciate it. We got a huge show for you guys today. We're gonna be diving into some training camp issues as well as our sleep, some sleeper picks for this upcoming draft. So, you guys ready to hit it? Ready I, to hit it? I'm ready. <laughs> All right, so we got training camp a few weeks away. You know, mini camps passed, OTAs, rookies, everything like that's all passed. What are some big storylines and everything that you guys are looking forward to to just kind of monitor as, you know, the beginning stages of training camp begins? So for me, one of the things that I want to keep an eye on is I'm watching this New York Jets backfield situation. As we just know, starting running backs are so valuable in fantasy football, and I want to know who is it. Is it Tevin Coleman? Is it Michael Carter? Is it Ty Johnson? And what I really just want to know is, is it Michael Carter? Because if it's anybody else, I don't know how I feel about this. I mean, can anybody be excited if it's Tevin Coleman? I, I, I certainly am not. Yeah, if it's anyone else, it's like, okay, now how long until Michael Carter takes over? Exactly. So. How long do I got to wait to get my Michael Carter shares going? But um, Michael Carter was one of the running backs. You know, I mean, Seta, you liked him too. We both, he was one of my favorite ones coming into the draft. And when he went to the Jets, I thought the Jets was a good landing spot for him. I think that he has good bursts. And reports out of, you know, just from the OTAs and everything else, seems like the coaching staff is pretty pleased with their pick and getting him. The big concerning for him, point for him is that, we do have a long history of fourth-round running backs just not holding that much relevance and getting enough opportunity to really be relevant. But that being said, it is right on the borderline of you know that third, second, and first round where it's basically a home run. So I, I like the opportunity. I like the chance that he can do, and I like what he can do in the passing game. So I, I really just want to know, is Michael Carter going to take this spot over in training camp? All right, fair enough. Ryan, what do you got looking at for the uh, training camp coming up? I am also going the backfield route, but I'm going out west, going to San Francisco in California where here they have internet. Um, 49ers have a lot of running backs. They have, you know, old reliable Raheem Mostert, who when he's on the field is a fantasy dream. They've got the recently signed Wayne Gallman, who held his own in New York last year when he was given the opportunity, to Michael Hasty, who the few times he saw the field looked great. 
the arrival of new running back Trey Sermon, who everyone is loving going into this offseason, I don't know who is going to get the bulk of the workload. And yeah, I really about uh, injured Jeff Wilson and Elijah Mitchell. There are so many. <laughs> There's so Even many. fullback Kyle Juszczyk gets a couple catches. Like the, It's so much to go around, and I love anything Kyle Shanahan does. He knows how to get the best out of his players, but he also knows how to use like a revolving door of those types of players, of running backs. So I'm really curious to see who is getting the bulk of the load early on in the season, early on in the offseason. Who are they running with with the ones? I'm That's who I want to target going into the season. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. You know, there's going to be a lot of coach beat coming out over the next few weeks and months leading into preseason, into the regular season. So it's not just, you know, listening to, oh, the coach loves this player. It's who's running with the ones, who's getting, the, you know, the passing work. And there's certain news that you got to kind of cipher through. And, you know, we'll be there to help you guys out for that. So. One of the big things I'm, you know, excited to look forward to, you know, going up into training camp is how are these injured quarterbacks looking and are they, you know, full go with their teams? Are they looking strong? Are they looking 100% healthy? And the big three, I think, is Trevor Lawrence, who's a rookie who had a couple surgeries in the offseason, Dak Prescott, who is an elite talent, as well as Joe Burrow, who's, you know, an up-and-coming, you know, AFC North stud. So I'm really excited just to see you know, the reports coming back from all those different training camp sites and see how they're looking and see if, you know, Trevor Lawrence is that real deal number one pick. All right. I like it. All right. Well, that's it for training camp. Let's do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sleeper picks. So we're going to be coming at you guys for the next few weeks going, uh, you know, over. We're probably going to, you know, hit this kind of section throughout, you know, the next weeks of the offseason. But we each picked one position, positional player for a guy who's a sleeper, who has some late round value, who has a chance to break out. You know, we all define sleepers in different aspects. So let's hop right into it. Ryan, who do you got? I'll start with the quarterbacks here. And when I do sleepers, I prefer to go double digit rounds. That's when I look at those are the true sleepers. Those are guys that you would not expect to draft, not expect to have a big year, but they have a lot of upside. So you got to look in the double digit rounds when you really fail in the first few rounds. So that makes sense. I'm big on failing in the first few rounds. And just to be clear, we're talking sleepers and values today. Oh, yeah. But for me, quarterback wise, I'm going to start with Tua Tagovailoa. And this is somebody who I kind of regret trading earlier in our uh, Super Flex League because... Thank you. I Yeah, you ended up with him after I traded him to my brother uh, for Michael Carter in a first-round pick. So, I mean, you got to take the first one. You can get him. You got Michael Pittman in that trade, not... Michael Carter. Pittman, yeah, sorry. Jesus. You got Michael Carter. I know your trades more than you do. <laughs> All right, they don't care about our trades. Move on. They don't care, but two is, he's going as the QB 22 right now. We're talking redraft now. This is... We're leading up into redraft season. So, Tua going as the QB 22, it's, it's a little... little t- little different because he didn't look too great last year, but he also wasn't super awful either. He had like an 85 to 87 QBR. So he was a fine enough passer to get by. They just weren't winning too much and too ahead with him. But he's got the second easiest schedule for a quarterback this year. A solid set of wide receivers between Devontae Parker, the newly added top 10 pick Jalen Waddle, and Will Fuller, who, you know, outside of missing the first year and being a little bit of an injury risk, is a fantastic receiver in his own right. Uh, he's got a full off season now without dealing with that hip injury that he had in college. No COVID kind of dealing, like messing with the off season program. And there's no quarterback threatening his job. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not backing him up. He doesn't have to worry about it. He is the glorified starter. There's a reason that trust in Tua was a thing. And I think that it should be seen this year. He's very good, very talented. And if there ever was a time for Tua to pop off and show what he can really do, this is the year. 
Yeah, that's a fair enough. I think he's a decent uh, late-round flyer kind of guy. You know, you said he's quarterback 22. Um, my only concern is last year a lot of the, you know, coaching speak from him is he was kind of scared to make those tight window throws. He was a big check-down guy, you know, open receiver he can hit. But So if he does take that next step, I think it's definitely a great pick. Which you see that a lot with rookie quarterbacks. So, I mean, we saw Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert explode when they were on the field because they weren't afraid to make those throws. So if Tua can build up that confidence and trust his receivers, which he has plenty of, I think we're in for a big year for a sneaky guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, one thing that I think that you have to really highlight, especially with these rookies from last year, is they did not have a real training camp to actually get a feel, get accumulated into the NFL last year. I love Tua this year. I, th- I was happy to acquire him in that Superflex League. I think that, and if you watch the film on him, it's not as bad as it seems like it. Yeah, he was dealing with an injury last year. That's why he kept getting pulled. And... He's got an arsenal of weapons. This is definitely a make-or-break year for Tua, and I think he knows that. So, But like we brought up on the divisional breakdown, it wasn't, it wasn't that long ago that hashtag tank for Tua was a thing. This is a top, talented, college prospected quarterback. So I like Tua. I think that Tua is a sneaky grab. I, I definitely would have to agree with you on this one. All right, Chris, who do you got for your quarterback? So my quarterback sleeper is Mr. Trey Lance, newly acquired quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I just want to read off what this team traded to acquire this asset. They gave away their 12th overall pick and a 22 third, along with a 22 first and a 23 first. They essentially traded three first round picks to acquire the 103 to draft Trey Lance. And that's who they wanted there because it wasn't a big secret that Trevor Lawrence was going one and Zach Wilson was going two. That was the guy that they intended to grab. So with that being said, I I don't see a world that San Francisco does this if they were comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starting quarterback. So do I believe the coach speak that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the bridge quarterback for this year? Maybe in the first few weeks, but that's That's not going to last. I certainly don't think so. And here's what I like about Trey Lance. He's got a 4.540 time. Not the fastest quarterback in the league, but not bad. Pretty damn good for a quarterback. Exactly. Can get you, can get that job done with those legs. That's what gives you that top five upside in fantasy football from that quarterback position. Gives you that elite thing. And as you were highlighting in training camp, I want any player that is a focal point in a Kyle Shanahan system. This is one of the best offensive masterminds in this league. And then let's also factor in what the kid has. He's got weapons. George Kittle is an option to throw to. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. This is the quarterback 22, and he's going in towards the end of the 13th round. And I know what everyone's about to say. What am I going to do in the very beginning parts of the season if he's not the starter? I have a very simple answer to that question. Fucking draft Ryan Fitzmagic, who's going in the 15th round, and pair him with him and because he's got the fifth easiest. Ryan Fitzmagic has the easiest, uh, fifth easiest schedule for quarterbacks to start the year, where the 49ers actually have the fourth. They're right there. So if, I'm seeing three right here. Oh, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's it's, it's easy either way. So if Trey Lance gets in there early, I just think, and if you watch the highlights on this kid, he's got a cannon for an arm. I look at this kid and he reminds me of Josh Allen. He reminds me of one of these just dominant quarterbacks. And we see year in and year out lately, one of these rookie quarterbacks just take the league by storm and be just a league winner over the second half of the year. I mean, you saw the dividends that getting Justin Herbert on your team paid 
last year? And what about the year before with Lamar Jackson? You know, it's just it, I'm not going to ignore this anymore. Plus, if you're in any kind of a keeper league and you get this guy in the 13th round, this could be locking up your quarterback position for two years to come. So I love Trey Lance. I think he's a phenomenal sleeper, and I'm all over him this year. I don't care that he might miss the first three or four weeks of the year. See, the, I feel feel like the main thing and the main concern is what you kind of like, you know, you were kind of going around about what happens. This 49ers team is very good. It's good all the way around. It's good at the running back position on the defense. It's good pretty much everywhere with their weapons. What happens if Jimmy G is good enough to play all season? Are you, are you willing to waste a pick on someone who may not play? He, he was good enough to take them to a Super Bowl. But if he was good enough, they wouldn't have traded away three first-round picks to move up and get this guy. So I don't think they're. I don't think he's good enough in Kyle Shanahan's eyes, and I don't think he's going to last long. And the answer to your question is absolutely. I am okay because it's a 13th-round pick. So if the pick is a wasted pick, it was a 13th-round pick. It's, it's not really worth anything anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's fair enough. I think that would be just my biggest concern. You know, that's another big thing to focus on coming up in training camp is how much work is he getting with that second group or with the first group? How is Jimmy G looking coming back from his injuries and whatnot? So it's definitely something to keep your eye on. But I do like Trey Lance, the prospect. Me too. Yeah. All right. So for me, my quarterback sleeper is the franchise, Baker Mayfield. Ooh-wee. So, Baker Mayfield finished last year on a tear. His last 10 games finished with 20 touchdowns and only two interceptions. They even had a more pass-heavy offense, even though they had those two elite running backs in their backfield, even without Odell on the field. And he's coming back. The entire offensive is coming back. The entire offensive staff is coming back, which Baker hasn't seen his entire NFL career. He finished with over 3,500 yards every year he played, and I think that this team is going to be one of the more better offenses in the league. A lot of scoring opportunities. And I think he could definitely hit that 30 touchdown mark. He's being drafted in the very back end of the 11th round. And if you do similar to what Chris was saying, pair him up with another guy who's solid week in and week out, you may have that breakout guy who's going to jump into the top 10 for fantasy quarterbacks. I think that, you know, along the lines with running that whole offense back, that's my biggest aspect. And you don't have to pay a high capital to get this dude. And he's just shown he's going to progress a lot like he did over the past last season. Now, since we are a Cleveland-based podcast and we play in Cleveland-based leagues, he'll go probably a round or two higher than he should, at least versus ADP-wise. Um, what type of value do you – where do you rank Baker Mayfield on value? Like, where are you comfortable actually taking him? Like, what quarter – are you asking, like, which quarterbacks around him would you yeah. prefer? So for me, I think it would have to be with how I'm building my team. I don't know if I'm going to want to invest a eighth or ninth round pick in Baker Mayfield if I did already take a Kyler Murray, a Lamar, a you know Pat Mahomes or anything like that. I think he's one of those perfect style quarterbacks where if you went hard in your running backs, hard in receivers, hard in tight ends early, that you need to load up with you know a Matt Ryan, a Baker, a Derek Carr, you know, some of those later guys, he's a perfect option that can, you know, jump up to that next tier this year. I so like it. let me ask you, let me uh, just stay here for a second. So Matt Ryan or Baker Mayfield? Matt Ryan is going is the quarterback 15. Baker Mayfield right now is the quarterback 16 on ADP. I think I like the, the ceiling that Baker has. I think Matt Ryan's a little bit more consistent, and, you know, he's lost one of his best options there. So who knows what he's going to look like without Julio because he didn't really look that great without him. 
But I think I'm going to go Baker there and try to snag another guy later. That is so funny. I I, I would go Baker as well, but I, I just I completely feel the opposite about you. For me, I want this. I want the consistency of Baker. I don't like the floor of Matt Ryan. Uh, Trevor Lawrence or Baker Mayfield. Trevor Lawrence is quarterback fourteen right now. Uh, I probably I I think. Trevor Lawrence is going to be one of the next up-and-coming studs. So I'm a big Trevor Lawrence fan, so I'm probably going to stick with Trevor there. Even in redraft? And that's a tough one, but I think I'm going to stick with Trevor there and try to, like I said with Baker, you know, to pair him up with a, a veteran quarterback, whether it's, you know, Fitzmagic, Big Ben, or whoever else it may be a little bit later on in my drafts. Let's uh, let's get one more and jump up a few spots because I think this guy is being overdrafted right now. Jalen Hurts or Baker Mayfield? Oh, Baker Mayfield. I don't know how good Jalen Hurts is going to be, and even Adam Schefter was on a radio show today talking about how that may be the likely spot for Deshaun Watson. That's true. He did say. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. All right. Well, that wraps up quarterbacks. Let's go. Chris, you want to go with your running back? Yeah, I can dive into my running back. So if my sleeper is more of a – actually, I would consider this a sleeper. I'm talking James Conner. Newly acquired running back for the Arizona Cardinals. This is the running back 38. He's going with the first pick on average right now in the ninth round. This is what you're getting when you draft James Conner. I'm going to talk about Kenyon Drake from last year, who had 239 rushing attempts, who turned those into 955 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was a top 24. And so, I, I mean, look, and here's now let's talk about what James Conner did. So I know everyone, right, there's a lot of stink on James Conner's name right now, and I get it. I understand it. Pittsburgh had one of the worst-ranked offensive lines last year, and it was god-awful. But if you paid attention throughout the entire season and really kept up on it and didn't just look at the very beginning of the year and the very end of the year or the overall stat line, you would know that James Conner was a top 24 running back seven times in the first 11 weeks of the season. Now, let's look into the whole just logistics of the situation here and just the Arizona Cardinals situation now it is. They have Chase Edmonds there, and I get that. But Chase Edmonds is not a goal lineback. He's never has been. Chase Edmonds in his entire year, his entire career, who has been with the Cardinals for his entire career, has four rushing touchdowns. That's his, Or no, he's got seven total rushing touchdowns. Four is the most that he's had in one season. It's very clear this is not the guy that they give the ball to on the goal line. Now, and I know what the other thing you're about to say. Well, Kyler Murray's the goal line back, except he's not. Because here's the thing. Kenyon Drake last year had 22 five-zone carries. That's carries from the five to the goal line to make a touchdown. And if you factor in 10-zone carries, you add in an additional nine more. That is 30, correct my math here. What did I, I had it written down somewhere. 31 total carries <laughs> from the 10 zone. We just watched Chris do math live. Yes, he did. 31 total carries within the 10-yard line to the goal line, which Kenyon Drake last year had a 90% conversion rate on those carries. James Conner the following year in Pittsburgh had an 83% conversion on his carries, which were much less. It was not, you know, on the pace. that. But that's you just factor in Cliff Kingsbury, which takes me to my next point, is Cliff Kingsbury and the high-powered, fast-paced offense that he runs. You're potentially getting a running back in the ninth round that could have, could have, might not, but could have 240 carries with a lot of goal line work and a lot of potential to be an easy RB2 and without a doubt outplay that RB38 average draft position that he's getting. So I love him in the ninth round. I understand there's some issues with health, but you know, there's not, you wouldn't be getting him in the ninth round if there wasn't. And I get it with, you know, everyone's with Chase Edmonds, but I think it's very clear at this point that the Cardinals don't look at Chase Edmonds as 
their main guy. I do think that Chase Edmonds might get a little bit more carries than he got last year, but I don't think it's going to be by much. I, th- I think we're looking at James Conner taking over about 80 to 90% of what the Kenyon Drake role was last season, which proved to be a very valuable role in fantasy football. And in my opinion, all of the goal line work, which are the money touches, are going James Conner's way. And RB38, I'm just going to highlight that again. 38. That's not even an RB3. It's ridiculous. And I, I agree with everything you just said. And essentially what you're getting out of uh, James Conner is because of the sour taste that Kenyon Drake left last year. And it wasn't like Kenyon Drake was god-awful terrible. It's he was god-awful terrible compared to his ADP. Where are you drafting him? Kenyon Drake was being drafted as somewhere between like 7 and 15 on RB-wise. And he was a letdown based on those numbers. But that being said, but the finished, volume was not. He finishes the RB-16. Exactly. The volume was not for Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake, like you said, 240 carries. Like that's, those are the type of volumes you want to see out of one of the starting running backs in your roster. And if James Conner gets that type of work, James Conner can put up like RB-12 to RB-15 numbers. And if you're getting that with the RB38, that's that's a steal. Yeah, I, he's a guy that I personally am probably going to be staying away from. And like a lot of our listeners are probably thinking right now is he can't stay healthy and he can't stay on the field. Agreed. So I know you already touched on that. And it's, you know, it's a risk you got to take going in those deeper rounds because there's not a perfect prospect that late in your drafts. And that's but the my point. only thing is they paid him the league minimum salary. So we talk a lot about how salary allocation kind of leads towards you know, opportunities. And that's one of the biggest things that concerns me is they paid him nothing to come there. So he very easily could have a very small role when it comes to this Cardinals offense, as well as I think they're going to pass the ball even more than they did last year. So that's my only concern. I don't hate the sleeper pick because you got to take some risk later in the rounds. So. Well, that, it's just a matter of that you're not going to get any running back with the kind of upside that he holds in that ninth round right there. And that's why it's worth taking a shot. And yeah, if you know if he gets hurt or if Chase Edmonds gets more than you think he's going to get, whatever, you wasted a ninth round pick. I mean, that's a little more valuable than a 13th, clearly. But what you could be getting in that pick, I'm all over it. I'm going to be smashing James Conner in a lot of my drafts this year. All right, fair enough. Ryan, who do you got? All right, I'm going another 11th round pick right here. 11.05, Mr. RB50, Daryl Henderson, running back for the LA Rams. Now, you're probably thinking, why would you be taking Daryl Henderson at all? He's why not are you very dressed good. in a handcuff? Um, I mean, I don't really look at him as just a handcuff. He has the second easiest schedule coming up, and LA does run a committee-type backfield. We have seen that every year since uh, McVay has taken over, and that's what he does. And with uh, Malcolm Brown, who was their leading rusher last year, had the most carries, that's 134 touches or 134 opportunities, excuse me, between carries and targets that are in the open between that backfield, and they didn't add any real threats going into this season. So that that goes between Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson. That's a lot more work than he's getting last year. With a 17-game schedule, he should be in line for a much bigger workload. If Cam Akers is being drafted as an RB1 at this moment, as a top 12 running back, there's no reason that Daryl Henderson, who is getting almost a similar workload, maybe not the exact same, but maybe like a 35-75 or 35-65 split at worst, he should not be the RB50. It's just there's just no reason it should be happening. He's a handcuff, yeah, but he also holds a certain type of weekly value. Maybe a flex play, but if anything were to happen to Cam Akers, you've got yourself an RB2 at worst. Like, that's just something I'm, I'm hammering all day. I would say a high-end RB2, possibly a low-end RB. That's what he was last year when the entire running back room was hurt, and it was just Daryl Henderson. He was more efficient than Cam Akers last year, if you look at efficiency-wise, between what he did with the opportunity given. Like, Daryl Henderson's not god-awful. He's just not a top, top running back. So, if at the RB50 right now in ADP, like, that's just, that's a, that's a steal. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing you got to think about is how how is this offense going to look differently? Because they have a brand new captain in their quarterback room is Matt Stafford. He's a guy who has the ability to throw it all over the field. So that may just lead to, you know, a few less rushing attempts overall as a team and then less opportunities for him as well. I feel like that leads to worst like case scenario, like they're not going to be able to stack a box because Matt Stafford can sling a ball. He's got that cannon of an arm, and he's a very good quarterback. If they would have replaced Jared Goff with a like a terrible backup quarterback, yeah, I get why being worried about any of their players is a real thought. But replacing him with a better quarterback, I think, is better for the team all around. So I could it, see more scoring opportunities. Exactly. Sure. And so with, with like I said, with Malcolm Brown leaving and all of those opportunities being freed up, that's the reason Cam Akers is being projected as an RB one right now. And I'm not going to argue against it. Like. I'm not too big a fan of Cam Akers at that spot, but if he's going to get all that volume, it's great. That's a great team. That's a great offense to be a part of. But there's no reason that his next running back in a committee, not just his backup, but the next committee back should be down 40 spots. That's now, just not a thing. Are you concerned at all with the coach speak that uh, Sean McVay is putting out, that he is calling Cam Akers a three-down back, saying that he has no limitations in his game, and that they plan to basically never take – it sounds like he's hinting at they're planning to never take him off the field – to be McVay fair, can though, say that, but I'll I'll wait till I see it I know, for it to actually say, happen. You know, Cam Akers is not Todd Gurley. No, no. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Todd Gurley's like most elite season with McVay his first or second year? Yeah, yes. and he used it as a bell cow pretty much. So can you not see that kind of opportunity for Cam Akers? Todd Gurley, as I've said on the show many times, you know, quote unquote, generational talent. Todd Gurley was that before all of his knee issues popped up and before all of his issues popped up. Like Todd Gurley was a freak athlete and a great running back cam Akers, very good but he is not he's no saquon he's no like guy you must have on the field at every single play you can take cam Akers off for a little bit and bring in daryl henderson and you're not going to get too much different results i need yeah, to get you enough. a t-shirt that says Gen- we need to make t-shirts to say generational talent. i'm a big fan of generational <laughs> talent and there are a few guys in this league who are like that and todd Gurley was at one point one of them I, you know, I, and I like Cam Akers a lot. I, I am kind of buying into the McVeigh hype of him. But that being said, for RB50, for somebody that could be in a committee on a high-powered offense. Somebody that you could use as a flex play on a week basis should not be going as the RB50. It's possible. So, I, I mean, I'm personally probably not going to be all in on taking Henderson. But I actually, I 100% understand, understand the points to do it. So. All right, fair enough. So one of my running back sleepers is actually a guy kind of Ryan hinted at in the uh, training camp intro, and that's Mr. Trey Sermon. And, you know, drafting rookies is always kind of like it's a risky it's a risky move wherever you take them because sometimes game just does not translate to that NFL field. But like Ryan was hitting on before, Raheem Mostert had 23 points on only 53% of snaps, 17 points on 21% in the second game, was banged up a lot last year, finished with, again, 13 points with only 48%. Jeff Wilson last year had a 20-point game in Week 3, 31-point game in Week 7, and finished on a tear with 12, 26, and 22 points in the last three weeks and was a league winner. I think Trey Sermon is an all-around better talent than either of those guys and any guys that they have in that backfield. He was drafted in the third round and traded up to get him. Yeah, they traded it up. They moved up to get that guy. I think he fits the scheme perfectly in that Kyle Shanahan wide zone scheme. They have a solid offensive line and they're going to be pounding the rock with that defense. And, you know, the biggest thing is we've seen running backs in San Fran produce with not that high of a percent of snaps. And that's the biggest thing is, yeah, he may be splitting with those guys, 
but I still think he can be efficient while doing it. There's always two relevant running backs in San Francisco, and he where you're getting him in the eighth round at the RB36 spot, I mean, yeah, I'm in on Trey Sermon. Yeah, definitely, and I think he's going to be the goal line back at least to start off, and that means a lot of scoring opportunities with that offense, and I think eventually he's going to take over Hopefully, similar with Trey Lance, and it could just be a one-two, you know, shot with those two rookies, like me and Chris were talking about earlier. So I'm all in on Trey Sermon. Have been since the draft. Didn't love the landing spot because it's not a clear-cut opportunity, you know, goldmine. But you know, I, I'm all in on Trey Sermon this year, especially in later in the eighth round, maybe early ninth. Yeah, and I mean, and one thing you got to factor in is you know Jeff Wilson's already hurt, already going to miss the first. Uh, he's going to be out for like the first six to eight weeks, possibly. Raheem Mostert is already dealing with knee injuries in camp. It's minor, but it's still something to pay attention to. I mean, it's not like San Francisco. I don't know what they do. They like, they like spike their turf or something with like booby <laughs> traps to make their players get hurt. Like, but uh, it's it's not easy to stay healthy there. So I mean, but it's that that line of opportunity seems like it's getting thinner and th- or seems like it's opening more and more and up by the day. So I'm in on Trey Sermon, 100. I like it a lot. All right, Ryan, you want to hit your receiver? You want me to start with receiver? I'll start you with start, receiver. Seta. All right, I'll go first. Yeah, I'll go last with this one. Okay, that's fine. All right, so mine, I'd say this isn't really a big sleeper, more of a value pick. And uh, that's where the kind of different transition goes. And that's Mr. Roby Anderson for the Carolina Panthers. Love him. He's already has the established connection with Darnold. He was his go-to you know, target besides Jamison Chowder out there. He finished as wide receiver 19 last year, while DJ Moore finished at wide receiver 23. Yet DJ Moore is still being drafted rounds ahead of him. And, you know, with Curtis Samuel moving on, there's already going to be a lot of opportunity there. Mike Davis got a decent amount of reception, so the CMC effect I don't think is that big of a deal. I think he's going to take a little bit more opportunity than Mike Davis did, but I still think that that opportunity is going to be there. And he has a huge... In the seventh round, I'll I'll smash him all day long in the seventh round because he has the ability to definitely finish in the top twenty, top twenty-four again. And you know, if you hammered those RBs, tight end, and other positions early, he has a lot of upside that can help you throughout your season. Yeah, Robbie Anderson is. I think he's probably the most underrated wide receiver going into this fantasy season. He is just nothing. He's done nothing but produce the entire time he's been in the league. He's been like a close to thousand yard receiver. He's always reliable for those deep targets, those big touchdowns. He's a big play type of guy. And so if you're getting him at a steal, like I, I love Robbie Anderson all day. Wide receiver 34, where his um, co uh, is DJ Moore is going at a wide receiver 19. Yeah, that's just like a crazy difference where I think that their production in fantasy wise is going to be pretty similar. Yeah. Now, do you worry at all about them losing, about Robbie Anderson losing some targets just because of CMC coming back and them using the second round pick? on Terrence Marshall, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. So Terrence Marshall is kind of coming off an injury, so I could see him stealing a couple of red zone looks, especially with that connection with Joe Brady that he has. But I still think with Mike Davis, he was getting a lot of passing work, probably not as much as what CMC would see. Not even close, like 50 targets less. But with with Curtis Samuel gone, I think that can help even itself out to still be a relevant receiver, if not finished maybe a spot or two behind where he did last season. Yeah, I mean, I like Roby Anderson. I don't know if I'm as in on him as you are, but I definitely do like him. I definitely think he's being disrespected right now in drafts. I mean, there is wide receivers that are going around, like like Roby Anderson or Juju Smith-Schuster. Roby Anderson. Fair. Roby Anderson or DJ Chark. Roby Anderson. Without a doubt, Roby Anderson in that one. Roby Anderson or Odell Beckham Jr. Mm, I probably lean Odell there. What about Chase Claypool? <sighs> Robbie Anderson. 
Is his name Roby or Robbie? You guys are starting to confuse me with all of this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure really his name ask. is Robbie, okay. but I call him Roby. Okay. I also just call him Roby. Because we've been calling him Roby. Well, I call him Roby because it pisses JVAC off. He, like, texts me all the time. He's like, why do you call him Roby and why do you call him Noah Font? And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, well, if that makes you mad, it makes me happy. So I'm going to keep doing it. And honestly, aren't more most people named Robbie with I-E? And he has a Y at the end of his name, so I just think it's, like, spelled differently, so I'm going to pronounce it differently. He probably goes by Roby. It's probably, like, his cool street nickname or something like that. Who knows? Yeah, my name's Robbie, but my street name is Roby. <laughs> he hangs out with Ja Rule, so, you know. What's my motherfucking name? <laughs> yeah, Roby's definitely better. Sorry, j All right, Sims, what do you got? All right, my wide receiver sleeper slash value pick. We are going back to the previous Pittsburgh Steeler well, and I'm talking... The man, the myth, the legend, the nutcase. I was going to say psycho, but yeah. Good yeah, call. psycho, whatever. Guess he's a psycho, you know. Antonio Brown, A.B., the monster machine for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going at wide receiver 49. Why? 49. Why? In the 10th round, back of the 10th round, 10-11. And here is what I love about Antonio Brown outside of the fact of the uh, all the bullshit that I had to deal with him as a Steelers player. But from week nine until the end of the season, which let's remember, that's when he was eligible to play due to a suspension, he led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in targets. And I know what you're about to say. I know what you're thinking. You know, uh, Chris Godwin or Mike Evans must have been hurt. No, they weren't. They were on the field for the entire stretch of the way outside of the last game of the season where Mike Evans left very early in the game in which Antonio Brown went nuts. So, and here's what else I love about Antonio Brown. He is Tom Brady's boy. Tom Brady wants this dude wherever he goes. He's been recruiting him when he was a Patriot. Bruce Arians came out and said, we have no interest in signing Antonio Brown. Tom Brady came out and said, I want Antonio Brown. What happened three days later? They got Antonio Brown. They signed Antonio Brown. So, and he, I just I think he's got league winning upside. If something were to happen to Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, it's not he's familiar with Bruce Arians. You know, I mean this Bruce Arians runs a system that is very very friendly to good receivers like Antonio Brown. And I have no evidence to prove that this is not the same Antonio AB from 2018, where he was putting up wide receiver number one overall numbers. I understand he's going to be 33 years old coming into this season, but we have a lot of wide receivers that play late, like into their you know mid to late 30s and at a very high productive level. I mean, look at what Julio Jones is doing. I've not seen a single thing on film that shows me we're not looking at the exact same caliber of player that we were when he was in Pittsburgh dominating the league so to get this guy in the 10th round at wide receiver 49 it's stealing stealing and this is a i mean he easily holds wide receiver three value in my opinion you can plug this guy into your flex i'm all over ab in 2021 i never thought i'd be saying these words again but yeah i'm in on ab yeah it really does it really does pain me to say i 100 percent agree with chris here so Maybe this one's actually right take for Chris, so make sure you listen up there. But, yeah, I'm all in on AB this year. I think you hit it on the head with, you know, he has flex-worthy upside if they're all there, and if one of them goes down, boom, you're you're set to go. And he's going to get the targets regardless, especially, like, right when he came back, that offense took another step. And they, were, they weren't looking like a Super Bowl champ, the number one power-ranked team in the NFL, before he got on the field for them. They really came back off that bye and won it out. I'm all in on AB, too. 
Yeah, there's no reason not to be. The dude is a stud. So if he is on the field, I want all parts of AB. He is probably the best wide receiver we've seen in this class of like generation. You know what we're talking about? Like with those Julios, with those. No, I AJ think Julio's better. I got to give it to AB. I can't. I'd give it to I AB hate too. the way he left. I mean, Tony Totap. Yeah, it's a sick nickname. The but dude just did so good everywhere, and he's just been a phenomenal wide receiver. So if he is on the field, I don't care who else is lined up on the other side of him. He's going to be fed eight-plus targets a game, and so you've got to respect that. And if you're getting him at what, – what did you say his ADP was? He's going at 10-11 right now on average. I imagine before the draft that will rise up. Probably a little bit, but either way, I'll still be in. I'll be all in. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go around early on him and make sure he's on my team. He will be in probably my top 32 when we do our rankings. I, I can't knock you for it. I mean, who are they? Who are you going to double cover on the Buccaneers? You got Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown. I mean, all three of these guys could very easily be the best receiver on another team if they went to another team. So, yeah, I, I, you can't. There's nothing you can do. It's pick your poison. And there's a possibility that they finish with three guys having a thousand yards receiving. It's it's very possible. Very possible. All right, Ryan. Who do you got? All right, my guy. Wow, you're so dominant. <laughs> That's right, you are so dominant, Mr. Marvin Jones. I know, I know, I know. Crickets. This, crickets. That, that was just for Willix, pretty much. The crickets isn't on that button, so you can stop clicking. I know, that's why I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, Marvin Jones, there's... Marvin, you guys know my love for Marvin Jones. Everyone who's listened to this podcast knows my love for... You can stop that right now. I just wanted to do it. Everyone on this podcast knows my love for Marvin Jones. Any listener knows my love for Marvin Jones. <laughs> I all day. Marvin Jones is fantastic. He is getting paid seven million dollars. Wait, you're deep throating Marvin Jones all day. Oh my god! I'll give that gluck gluck three thousand. I don't give a fuck. (laughs) No, Marvin Jones is awesome. He finished as the wide receiver eighteen in PPR last year and fourteen in standard leagues. So, however you play, he played great. He's going as the wide receiver forty nine right now, being drafted in the eleventh round. Eleven oh eight is his ADP at the moment. Um. I don't get why he's falling so hard. Is it his age? Is it because he's 31 years old? I think we get our uh, information from different spots because I had Antonio Brown going as the wide receiver 49. Well, wherever we yeah, look. You guys also said both of your quarterbacks were QB 22. Oops. <laughs> I go I mean, fantasy they're, pros. They're, they're, they're in the same They're, they're in the same they're spot. They're right around the same spot. You get right the around, Exactly. You're getting a value at that is what you're getting. You're getting $7 million a year. They went out and saw it after Marvin Jones. He is going to be the veteran wide receiver in that locker room. He didn't go to some garbage quarterback on a new team. He's going to the protege. He's going to Trevor Lawrence. He is going to be the guy starting off that season. He will be the role model for those wide receivers to look up to. You're talking about a guy who had back-to-back nine touchdown years, going close to 1,000 yards each year. He is a proven talent in the NFL. And I know nobody likes to say, oh, I got Marvin Jones in my starting lineup. I like to say it. I love to say it. I love Marvin Jones. How does a guy drop 30 spots? after having another great year, going to another good quarterback. Sign me up all day, all day. Yeah, so, you all actually left out. You actually uh, did him a discredit. He's had nine touchdowns in three out of his last four years. The only reason that that one was there, he played. He missed like four games, right? Yeah, he missed, He only played nine games that yeah, year. Yeah, that's the only reason he didn't. So just Which to he play, had five touchdowns. Just to play games. a little devil's advocate with this one. Play devil's advocate, so, please. I think that the reason why he dropped and the reason why I possibly would be staying away from him is I feel like his stats were a little inflated last season due to the lack of other pass options in Detroit. When Kenny Galladay was barely playing, still nine it, was, it was still him and TJ Hawkinson, and that was pretty much it. Now you go to a team that has Travis Etienne out of the backfield. They have LaVisca Chenault. They have DJ Shark. They have a lot of other options there. So They have a lot of other unproven options there. 
that, a lot of guys that we true. like, a lot of guys we love, a lot of guys we're talking about here, you know? Well, I but this also, is a young and up-and-coming team. They may be trying to force those connections with Visca and DJ Shark Whether we, when Marvin Jones is going to be gone after two years. So that's my biggest concern and my biggest depth. I get the concern. He is, he is the old head in that wide receiver room, but he is the old reliable head in that receiving room. You don't talk about like approaching double-digit touchdowns unless a guy is a top-10 receiver. Like that's just like you're getting that type of. Right, I'm not ten. He's top, he's not he, he is not top ten. No, I'm not saying full chub over here right listen, now talking about Marvin. I'm Jones. not saying Marvin Jones is top ten at all. Ryan's naming his firstborn son Marvin. He might be because of my love. All for right, him. starving Marvin. No, listen. But the only guys who touch that type of touchdown production are tight ends who happen to stumble upon like a Robert Tunyon or fantastic wide receivers. Marvin Jones is super good at what he does. His bread and butter is falling into the end zone with that football. And he will be doing that for the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. Well, in my rebuttal to what Seta has to say, yeah, last year there was no Kenny Galladay. But in 2019, Kenny Galladay's best statistical and career year, Marvin Jones still put up nine touchdowns. And that was on 13 games. And he still was the wide receiver 28, again, on 13 games. So I, I love Marvin Jones. I'm in. I mean, I think that you got you got a high touchdown. Up, and where you're getting him, he's not relied upon. You can put no. him in as your flex, and you can hope in for— In the 11th round. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I, I definitely—I like Marvin Jones. You're getting a startable player in a depth draft spot. He's not my favorite Jacksonville receiver. He doesn't have to be. But I do like I do. Like you can Marvin like the Jones. other two guys that, more than That's a big TTs right there. Yes, it is. Big T's. But yeah, I mean, I don't hate it, and I'm all in on Trevor Lawrence, but kind of like I mentioned before, I'm nervous about all the pass catchers there because I think it's going to be a spread-the-wealth kind of offense. But, you know, it's a, it's a good stab late in your drafts that can have a lot of upside. So I definitely see where you're coming from from there. Which I get, and the only thing I'd say is the counter-argument is the $7 million a year. They went out and paid this man. They, they did went pay out, him. They went well. out and got him. They went out. Urban and they also said, doesn't know what he's doing. So Urban's not the GM. So. All right, well, we'll be moving Rebuttal. on. I think I think we hammered the receivers home. Let's uh, round it off a little tight Somebody's got to give me a Marvin Jones jersey. Somebody's got to take can, the white claw out of your hands yeah, right so, now. Go you <laughs> get your own Marvin Jones jersey. Don't be no freeloader. <laughs> no. All right, Chris, let's start us off with tight ends. Who do you got? I got tight end for the Narlins Saints. Narlins. It's not Drew Orleans anymore. Compliments to Tom The pride Brady. of UD. But I'm talking Adam Troutman. We're going fishing. Down in the river. It was like the people sleeper at tight end. Absolutely. I mean, I everyone's just, been raving about him. I didn't want to, but like I looked at his ADP today and he's still going in the 15th round. So I'm like, I at tight end 23. So I'm like, you know what? I got to bring the spotlight onto my boy here. I got to talk about Adam. I got to get him hyped up. I got to get the hit squad hip and ready to go because I think this guy has league winning potential. And here's why. Sean Payton. I've been hammering this all offseason long. He is an offensive mastermind, and he has always historically used a top tight end in majority of his offenses. I love what Sean Payton does on the offensive side of the football. You look at Jared Cook, who had 19 total red zone targets in 2020, and that, I mean, I, I you just see it. He gets the red zone looks. On top of that, I know Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are the first and second option in the passing game for that team. Who's the number three? There's nobody. Emmanuel Sanders is gone. With the departure of Emmanuel Shan- Sanders, Emmanuel Drake Sanders, Juan. Emmanuel Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders, Colonel Sanders, uh, departure of that and Jared Cook, there is 142 open targets. And I realize that Michael Thomas is going to get more than his 40 target share that he got last year just because of that injury. But there is room for a third pass option here to emerge. And I like Troutman to be that. And here's the other reason why I like Troutman as a tight end. Last year, here's a sneaky snap, a sneaky stat for sneaky you. Sneaky snap. Sneaky snack. Sneaky snatch. 
Adam Troutman graded out as the best run-blocking tight end in the NFL last year. I don't know if people know that, but he's going to be on the field a lot because he can block. And on top of that, let's let's go way back here. This is the build of Adam Troutman. He is a 6'6", 250-pound athletic freak that dominated in college, was just unstoppable. Who does that remind you of when you think Sean Payton and the New Orleans Saints? Jimmy Graham? Jimmy Graham, who was 6'7", 265 pounds, and was a corner piece of the Sean Payton offense from 2010 to 2015, where he literally only finished outside of the top two at his position one time, which was his rookie season. He only had under 120 targets one time, which was his rookie season. I think Sean... And they, they drafted him in the third round. That's high capital for a tight end. But did Adam Trotman play basketball? I don't know. Jimmy Graham, as Ryan would like to say, is a generational talent. I agree. And he I was. And I'm going to be clear here. I'm not telling you that Adam Troutman is Jimmy Graham and we're going to get tight end one or two overall numbers. But what I am telling you is there is room here for a third option to step up and emerge in this passing game. And I do not trust Traquan Smith. I do not trust DeJon Harris or whatever the hell the guy's name is. I don't trust. And here's the other best part about the Saints. You don't have to worry about them bringing anybody else in to screw this up. They can't. They have no cap space. They got no money. They're not signing anybody right now that's sitting on free agency. So, and you're getting this guy in the 15th round that could possibly emerge and be, you know, a top 12 tight end at tight end 22. I don't see a way in hell he doesn't outplay that ADP. So I'm all over Adam Troutman this year. Let's go fishing. Yeah, I like him. Um, I think the biggest concern in New Orleans is that quarterback situation and how that offense is going to look. Um, but, yeah, I definitely like the late-round flyer and Adam Troutman. I think he's one of those guys where you pair up with a couple guys and he's going to you know, be able to fill in whenever you have those good matchups. And yeah, see maybe how the pair him looks. with the guy you're about to talk, to, talk about. I mean, there's, that's he's a good option late. You go next no, do you have anything else to say on Troutman? No, that's all I got to say. On well, that is a great segue into my guy who I think is a perfect pairing for Mr. Adam Troutman, and that is Mr. Mike Gesicki of the Miami Dolphins. He finished as the tight end seven last season and had the most catches and targets from anybody on the Dolphins roster from Tua Tagovailoa while he played. He finished with 55 targets over the last eight games with Tua running the show, just under seven targets a game. He had five touchdowns ever since he became the full-time starter, and was a lot of, on a lot of people's breakout candidates last year. A lot of people thought he was going to take that TJ Hawkinson jump where he's a young guy ready to come in. I'm buying the dip this year. He's going in the ninth round, and you pair him up with a Troutman, a Ferkser, or any of those other late-round guys, I think he's going to have league-winning upside, and he could maybe possibly jump into that top six tight ends this year. You know, how much I, you know how much I love Tua. We were just talking about him. He's my quarterback hit, so I, I like Kasicki a lot. I agree with you everything you just said. He is... One of the favorite targets of Tua, and if he's going lower than he should be, he is a reliable stash, for sure. Now, let me clarify. If he's a guy I want on my team by a tight end by committee team, if I have one of those big three, big four, five guys, the top at their position, I'm going to probably stay away. So if I get a Waller, a Kelsey, or a Kittle, he's not on my target because I think I need to hammer some different positions in those middle-tier rounds. But I definitely like Asiki a lot that late. If I get a Waller, Kill, or Kelsey, I'm not drafting another tight end. Nope. I will be streaming if anything were to happen. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Period. But agree with everything you just said. Oh, uh, yeah. I love Mike Kosicki. I think that's a great pick. I, I mean, do ever you hit? I can't even comment on it. You hit the nail on the head. Everything you just said is spot on. All right. Fair enough. Ryan, you want to round us off with your I, tight end? I will round us off. And it was somebody we just kind of brought up for a brief second, and that's Mr. Jared Cook. Jared I knew Cook. I was going here. Knew I was going here because you read the show notes. 
But <laughs> actually, just know how much you've been talking about Jared Cook. It's not really a talking about thing. I've been a big Irv guy, and he was almost my hit, but he's going a little too high for me to consider. I him got a bigger off you because value. I acquired Jared Cook. Exactly. Jared Cook is. He's a great middle-of-the-road tight end. He is somebody that he took a big dip, a 40-point dip without Drew Brees last year, which is what my biggest worry about Troutman is, the, the dip of not having the right quarterback. But Jared Cook is somebody who, even though taking the 40-point dip last year, still caught seven touchdowns, caught nine touchdowns the year before that, caught six touchdowns the year before that. He is a touchdown guy. And with Hunter Henry leaving the L.A. Chargers and Jared Cook stepping into that role, Hunter Henry was seeing six-plus six targets a game from Justin Herbert, who we all agree we love, right? Yeah, he's, I mean, you're not going to... I'm not on his knob as much as Chris. No, nobody, yes, nobody's like on him. his knob as much as Chris. But definitely like him, yeah. But we like Justin Herbert. So not we should like his tight end who's seeing like Justin Herbert. six-plus targets a game. And that is Mr. Jared Cook. He will be seeing seven-plus touchdowns this year if he stays on the field. And that's just the type of upside you want to see out of your tight end. When you're taking a tight end late, when you're taking a tight end at all, really outside of the top four, you are just hoping on touchdown upside. Because that's what's winning. Don't try to just throw TJ into the top four, all right? I didn't say TJ was in top four. Okay. Everyone says big three. You said four, so I got I, nervous. Maybe I had Pitts in there. You never know. Well, that's for another <laughs> We're going to find out. We have rankings coming up soon. <laughs> so that we are going to know. We, you will know, but no, it's going to be bigger. But anyway, no, relying what? on... Um, it's a joke. <laughs> God. 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 <laughs> but I'm just saying, Jared Cook, if you're going in that late round, he's going as the 1404 right now, tight end 19. That is, that's a guy who's going to be on the waiver wire. After the draft, that is a guy who's only going to be used on streaming weeks or if anything were to happen to anybody else's tight end, you can get him wherever you want. And if you're going to get, if you're going to punt the tight end position, I think going high upside touchdown is where the, where you need to go. And Jared cook is exactly that. So I love Jared cook in the late, late, late rounds, or even not drafting him at all. And just scooping him off the wire, just scooping him off the wire. He's a little older, you know, he's approaching, he's 34 years old. This is the back end of his career. But for a dude who is looking at six, nine, seven touchdowns the last three years, you can't argue against that. What about a guy like t- Team Preseason, Donald Parham? I'm not worried about Donald I mean, Parham. they wouldn't have went out and got Jared Cook if they were super pumped about Donald Parham. No, they are looking for red zone targets. They are looking for somebody who can catch the ball in the end zone and help Justin Herbert out a lot outside of Keenan Allen and big play Mike Williams. And they got that guy in Jared Cook. And I mean, and this is the other thing to highlight is this is a team, you know, the offensive coordinator has already come out and said he wants to run this offense through Herbert. And this is going to be, they're looking at a 70 30 pass to run ratio. So there's definitely going to be targets there. And Jared Cook's proven he can take some big, he can make some big plays. So. He had 100 targets three years ago, 65 the year before, the year after that, and then 60 last year. That's somebody who can see a lot of looks. Yeah. At the tight end position as a punt. Yeah, in my opinion, he's definitely what you were talking about, Ryan, as a big um, big touchdown upside. But going that late in drafts, he's definitely a decent value. So I'll definitely keep him on my radar for sure. Yeah, I like Jared Cook. I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Anything else, boys? I you, think that is it. You guys brought the fire today. I didn't really disagree with any of your picks. This was, this was a good episode. All right, fair enough. Well, Hit Squad, as you all know, hit us up on any social medias at HitStickFantasy. Like, rate, and review on any of your platforms. And shoot us a DM if you got any questions or you want to come on live on the show. Hit me up at Michael underscore Seta. I'm at The Real Ryan Long. And I'm at Hitstick Chris. Get at us. Peace out, Hit Squad. Talk to you guys later. Have a good week. Good night. Fuck you, Corey. Yeah, fuck you. Corey. Fuck you. <laughs>